My name is Mariangela Abeo, but you can call me M. And this is the Face to Faces podcast. This is a conversation series that provides a platform for the queer, transgender, black, brown, and indigenous communities in the areas of activism, politics, mental health, pop culture, arts and entertainment, and community, basically all of the things I love to talk about. And in this space, we have everyday conversations that reflect the world as it changes in all of our lives. My goal for this space is to remind you that while you may have moments that you feel isolated and alone, there is always an incredible community here that is safe. We all connect to each other at our greatest joys and our deepest pains. And in this space, we're here for those moments and everything that comes in between. I am so glad you're here. Please take a seat next to me. It's always open. Now, let's lean in. This is a trigger warning for today's episode. We discuss miscarriage and the details, the heartbreak, and the situations that involve miscarriage. So please make sure you have a safe space to listen to. And if you're touched by this subject, that you have support and know that you always have support in this community. Thank you. I am so happy to be back after a little bit of a hiatus because I've been writing my book and I am just, I had to come back out of hiatus to do this episode with my dear friends. And now I'm meeting new friends. Um, August and MB, I have known these two for, I think we decided over a decade. Is that what we said? It's been almost 15 years. And um, so I want to start with them to introduce themselves and then I will let them introduce the new parts of their family. Okay, go. <laughs> um, well, thank you for having us, M. Um, we're excited to be here. Um, my name is MB and my partner. Uh, hey, uh, my name is August and uh, we live in Seattle. And you're a couple, and I'm going to yeah. introduce your friends because they are connected to you, and that's why we're doing this. So tell, introduce. Okay. Um, well, August and I, yes, we are a couple. We've been married for four years, together for 10 years, um, and we've recently kind of decided to start the journey to start having a family. Um, and you know, since we are a queer couple, um, we need help. We need um, materials to make that a reality and make that true. So um, we're really grateful and lucky um, to have the assistance and help of my um, childhood best friend and our, some of our best friends um, from Nebraska, where I grew up, um, Matt and his husband, Elliot. Yay. Thank you both for joining us. So um, also, I did not realize you grew up in Nebraska, MB. We're going to circle back to that one. (laughs) (laughs) That's a whole topic. Um, Matt and Elliot, thank you guys for being here and for working this around baby Uma's schedule, right? We really appreciate the after 7 p.m. Makes things much, much easier. We used to do lots of interviews and she used to just sit so nicely and politely in her laps. And we were like, look at our beautiful gay child, you know, and, and now she's, I mean, she's a toddler, you know, so it's way well, challenging. Yeah. You'll never eat sitting down again, basically. <laughs> you never sit down again. <laughs> and how long have you two been together? Well, we've been together since 2012. And then we got married in 2015, the year that same sex marriage was legalized. I love that. I love that. Well, you and MB knew each other from childhood. How old? I'm just, I'm kind of fascinated with this friendship because I know when I remember when I was young, a young queer, I'm like, you're going to have a baby for me if I never can have a baby with someone like that. I remember those conversations and I know how that's kind of how this started, but you didn't realize this when you were young. Of course, you just talked about it, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't think when we were really, really young. So we met in second grade in Miss Gibbs' class, and um, yes, we were we were the leads in the play. We, we were, were the leads in the play. Of course, the queer queer bees. Yes, but yes. okay, tell me this: Why didn't I have you bring photographic evidence? A, <laughs> I might have you send me that later. Second grade, both of you. That's amazing. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, second grade. And, you know, it was just like, I don't know who this person is or like what it is about them, but they're amazing. And like, I want to spend all my time with them. And we used to like get in trouble in second grade and like have to stay after school, but really we would just hang out with Miss Gibb and just like (laughs) cause trouble. And I think we just all, we just loved it. Um, we loved any time we got to spend together and yeah, it was just one of those things as you know, when we were young, it was like, I don't know what it is about you, but I'm really drawn to your energy. And, um, yeah, it was just something that has continued since our, since we were little. So we were really, we were really weird. I'd have like so many stories I could tell, but the one that comes to mind, which is hilarious that MB was shocked that I was gay is in eighth grade, I was obsessed with Britney Spears and I would put her posters all up on my locker. And so we would go to the library and she would rip out Britney Spears pictures from the teen magazine so I could have them. She did that for me. That is, that is a very Capricorn resourceful thing to do. I'm very, I would have done the exact same thing. I love that. And so at what point did you, you started talking young about like, we'll do this for each other, but I'm fascinated with the point where you realized it would actually be a conversation because, and I say this because it sounds like you guys have stayed really close friends. And in the queer community, we have so many chosen family members, you know, and I think people that were fundamental for us in our young years when we were figuring out who we were and our queerness in general, those people stand out. And so that makes sense that you two are still strong friends. But at what point did this conversation become a reality? Because Elliot and Matt are parents to Uma. And so this story, I remember hearing about you two in the news and I was like, this is fabulous. I'm so excited. And so when we came back around to this story and I was talking to August MB, I was like, oh, I think I remember this. And so your story briefly, if you wanted to share it, um, how Uma came to be, because I think this is all very part of the story. You want me to do it? Yeah, I feel like I've been talking so much. I feel like you've got the... Okay, I'll talk some more. Did I mention I was the lead in the second grade play? Um, <laughs> no, we've gotten good at condensing it because our story is pretty convoluted and unconventional, but essentially Elliot's younger sister offered to be our egg donor when we were deciding um, we wanted to go through IVF. And then through a weird series of events, my 61-year-old mother became the gestational surrogate. And so she gave birth to her first granddaughter and essentially became the oldest person to give birth in the United States. The story actually brought me tears, honestly. I think it's lovely. Unconventional or not, fuck the word unconventional is my whole thing now. Like, can we just stop with, like, let's just, family's a family. I just love it. And I, I think that entire story is beautiful. So I think that now, you know, MB and August are having a child. Oh, we haven't said that. So, <laughs> We can say that now, right? That you say it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So when did this become a reality? When did you realize you could help each other? So I think it was not too long after Uma, Uma was born. You know, it was just such an incredibly inspiring story. And it was so amazing to see Matt and Elliot um, take on this new role and and just create their family. And um you know, we felt like we were getting at a point in our lives where we wanted to seriously start like looking at our options. And, um, you know, I think Matt and I had been texting. I kind of remember being in the bath and for some reason I had my phone, which is kind of unusual. Um, cause, um, and we were just talking about it. And I think Matt just sent me like a gif of a sperm of like a little sperm swimming and was like, you know, if you ever want it, like you can have it. Like just like really jokingly. And I was like, ha ha ha. Okay. Right. And serious. Yeah. And serious. And you know, I think I, I mean, I talked to you about it and like, what did you have to say? Well, I will say to some degree, it felt like MB and Matt decided to do this and then let me know. First of all, am I going, am I going to bring uh, astrology into this? Yes. Matt, what sign is Matt? I'm a Libra. Oh, perfect. Yeah. So there's, yes. Okay. The air sign that I love. Yes. Okay. So the Libra and the Capricorn 
hatched their world dominating plan. And yes. Okay. I was, I was totally for it. I was like, Oh my God, that's amazing. You know, like I, I love that. I think Matt is so wonderful. Both of you guys are so wonderful. And like, yeah, it just, it, it just seemed like a wonderful idea. So I was down, but I, I will say, I, I do not feel like I was part of the initial <laughs> conversation. <laughs> Well, I mean, then to be fair, Elliot, were you part of the conversation that, did you know that Matt had offered that before? I think I knew that he was scheming, but I feel like Matt does a lot of scheming. So when he was like, I think I might be a sperm donor for MB, I was like, cool, yeah. And then, you know, as it slowly became more of like a really kind of uh, a, like a plan where we we're like planning to go out there. I was like, oh, wow, he's really going to be a sperm donor, but I mean, I was on board from day one also. It seemed really exciting. And obviously with our journey to become parents, if we could help someone alleviate a choice out of that journey as a queer couple, that was something I was so on board for. So what was the feedback like from family and friends? Um, I think, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, I think my family was like on board because that's how we created UMA was we worked together as a community and a team. And so um, there wasn't really like a weird backlash in terms of like confusion of what would the roles be? It was means I'd be a sperm donor for, you know, one of my best friends and, and their partner, you know, so um, there nothing on my end. Yeah. Yeah. There was a little bit of kind of confusion on, on, on some of our families and, kind of these questions of like, so Matt's the dad? Like, who's the dad? <laughs> um, you know, and and just like bringing up concerns about like legal issues, you know, which I think can be, you know, like valid, like, right, right. Um, you know, we'll put something together. But um, yeah, we, we were met with some confusion. But after we kind of explained, um, then we were really met with a lot of support and a lot of encouragement. You know, I think in the past... Um, these stories have been very salacious. You know, if, if I'm, I'm going to age myself here, but like in the 80s and 90s, you know, we had like Thomas Beatty and we had that People magazine cover that they really made unnecessarily dramatic and they didn't, and Oprah did this whole story that was just very, I just didn't like it. It was gross. The whole thing was gross. And so I feel like, Right now, especially, people are so quick to capitalize on queer and gay pain and trans trauma rather than joy. And the the joy of this entire there's no there's no pain and trauma in this story, you know? It's just joy, but people want to take the salaciousness out of it. And so I think the way that you all are handling this is so lovely because you're not creating space for that at all. Um, I think that my first question was, MB and Matt, you're friends. So Matt will be a family member of some sort to this child already, right? Yeah. They call, they, they call me fairy godfather. Isn't that what you called me now? Yeah. I love that. <laughs> I love that so much. And I think that this is what we're trying to create is this new inclusive family. And I think you guys are such a great example of this. Um, that's what this story is making me feel like. It's, I think you're, there's a lot of queers that are in partnerships and relationships that will feel hope because I think a lot of people don't understand um, that they can do it. So I'm going to get down to a little bit of fun details because I am interested in how you all decided to do it. I mean, you had to both travel. I mean, we don't have to go into detail details, but share as much as you want, of course. My, I have, don't have a lot of boundaries, if you can't tell. <laughs> um, but I think that it's important because I think when we're talking about IVF, we're talking about so much money. It is not accessible. It is a privilege. And so when we're talking about other ways, I think DIY ways are, I love a DIY project. Like, give me that. Like, so when we're talking about that, I think sharing that information in a non-salacious way is, would be rad if, depending on how much you're willing to share. Totally. Yeah. I mean, go ahead. I swear I'm not going to be the first person to answer anymore for the rest of this podcast, but, (laughs) um, 
I was going to say, because the one thing that did confuse my my family was that because everyone just assumes you're going to do like IVF or an IUI. And as you mentioned, it's that's just for like a privileged group of people or you have to be very thrifty and crafty like we were and, you know, have your mother do it. But um, <laughs> when, so when they, I told them, I was like, yeah, we're doing I, there's no word word to say it. So I was like, well, we're going to do it like the old fashioned like we're way. putting sperm into the vagina. <laughs> And, and I remember my sister was like, oh, my God, you're going to have sex with them, bae? And I was like, no, no. And so then you're just like, uh, tur- turkey baster. Like, I feel like that's the only way you can say it for people. That's exactly, because when MB was like, yeah, we went to the hotel, and I was like, oh, you did, what? <laughs> like, but I think that that's, okay, listen, this is a huge, like, I think there's so many people that don't think that that works. Right. Well, and I think, too, some of that confusion maybe comes to, like, how queer and gay people even, like, have sex or, like, you know, it's like, well, how I don't even know, like, what you would do. So how is that even going to work? Um, oh, wild. Listen. But, yeah, but but really, I mean, yeah, we did it. We wanted to do it super. I mean, we yeah, super, super cheap. So we got, like, really cheap syringes off the internet and we got some over-the-counter pre-seed fertility lube and like we're really thankful that it it were and we just we just every time we would meet up we would try every day sometimes twice a day and um how many times did it take we um over the course of two cycles we tried 10 times so on one of those times it worked that's incredible to me i just feel like that's lovely it's I mean, we're, we're honestly really shocked that it happened so quickly because, you know, so many people, I mean, they struggle with IV. I mean, we didn't know if we'd struggle with fertility. So, you know, so many people these days do. Um, and so we just feel so grateful that um, we were able, you know, that I was even able to get pregnant. And um, yeah, but, you know, my, yeah, definitely, I would say start, start cheap if you can. Right, right. And then go from there. So did you and August ever discuss who wanted to carry a child? Well, that wasn't as much of a discussion as like, it seemed like the obvious choice. I mean, I, I'm, I'm a trans man. I'm a non-binary trans man. And so my whole childhood, I felt very disconnected from my gender and from my body. And I never had those fantasies of carrying a baby and, you know, of being a mother that felt really foreign to me, really, really alien. And so uh, not uh, being a parent didn't feel like that, Right. but, but bearing a child and having, you know, yeah, having a baby grow inside me, that felt crazy. But I, I, I think up until a few years before I started my transition, I was down, I, I think, to carry the baby if, if there was something up with your womb, you know, if we had fertility issues, I always had it in the back of my head. I was like, okay, well, I could probably do it if, if I if I really needed to. Right. And but then, it wasn't something you wanted. Would you no, know? I didn't want it. And then I I transitioned and I was like, no, that, that would be that would make me dysphoric as hell. I can't possibly even imagine doing that. So right. thankfully I had a partner who I mean you can speak to it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean I yeah, I don't know what to put you. Yeah, you, <laughs> you, you, you know. always wanted to have you always wanted to oh, have yeah. oh. Um Yes and no. Um, it's kind of gone back and forth through like different periods in my life. Um, when I was younger, you know, I was very nurturing. I played a lot with dolls and Barbies and I used to wrap my cat up in a blanket and try to put it in a stroller. And like, that was, <laughs> that's what I'm going to do with the baby too. <laughs> um, Perfect. Yeah. Mother. That was my like dream was to parent a cat. Um, so, so yeah, as a kid, that was definitely just something that I did, you know, um, but then as I got older, you know, I, in my like late teens and twenties and was really kind of figuring out my sexuality and coming into that, I didn't want kids, you know, I was like, I'm not going to do that. Like, I don't, I don't want that. Um, and then as I've gotten older and, and, you know, met August and, um, you know, our relationship has grown and we've been through, you know, we've been through a lot. Um, it just, it's felt more and more like, like the right time. Like this is something that I, that I can do and um, that hopefully my body can do. And, um, and maybe it could be like a really crazy, weird experience, (laughs) Um, you know, that, that would be 
something interesting for me to, um, you know, to go through. So that's kind of how I'm looking at it now. And so the reality is probably hit now, clearly. How is that different from when you've talked about it and you talked about it with Matt? I mean, thinking back even to talking about it in middle school or whenever to the reality of it now, because I'm a parent, I understand that reality kind of hits you and you're like, oh shit, this is happening. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. We've definitely had had some of those moments. Um, I think around like kind of practical, more practical reasons, like we need to move somewhere else where we maybe have more space or, you know, like what are, how are we, you know, some of just the, I think those normal things that come up um, when like a big change like this, a big financial (laughs) change um, is occurring. Um, But also I think something that's setting in for me, at least, is just the reality of how amazing this is and exciting and how, how it's just beginning and already just the reception and the way that we're telling the story is really exciting. And, and I'm really excited that, you know, we're going to be, you know, linked and friends with our best friends forever. Like, that's just so cool to me. Like we're always, our, our child will always have like this, this extra family, right. That is loving and supportive and, and queer, which is awesome. Like that I think is really cool. I love that so much. I think that you two are MB and August as far as, you know, trans couple, like, I feel like you are, you're such a motivation for so many people. If you had to give one piece of advice with something that you've gone through that you're like, God, I wish somebody would have told me this because August, you've been very lovely in giving me these heads up for my trans journey. You know, what would you tell people that are in a relationship in a partnership where they want to have start a family, but they don't want to do it the way that fucking society tells us we have to, you know? I mean, just there's no let go of all that stuff. It does not have to look like what we grew up seeing this stuff. like. I mean, the fact that I'm becoming a parent like this, frankly, is a is a massive relief to me. <laughs> you know, I, I, I thought about, you know, oh, God, you know, when I was a little girl, you know, am I going to be uh, somebody, a baby growing inside me and then I have to raise it and I'm with some straight man. And, you know, it just didn't, it just, that seemed like some sort of hell that I would be forced into at some point, you know, and it didn't work out that way. I'm surrounded by this beautiful queer community. I'm with a partner that I love, who's going to be an amazing parent. You've got so much experience with kids and it, yeah, it just, it does not have to look like that boring thing. It doesn't. And so just, you know, you gotta just free yourself from that, you know, get creative. Yeah, because I'm sure you both can see how I'm, I mean, August, you're going to be an amazing parent. Like, just watching the way you've big siblinged me, like, <laughs> I'm not even worried about it. Um, you know, Matt and Elliot, I think, how has this changed how you're going to parent Uma? Like, I think growing as you start raising children, this has to change your view, because I know none of us were raised this way. How is this going to change how the family unit looks to you and how you raise your children and how you create this new vision of what a family unit looks like for your kids? And, and that goes for MB and August, too, because I feel like we're all trying to create this new vision of, a, of children, you know what I mean, and how they view what marriage is to them. And this addition to your family has to have really changed how you want to raise your kids. I, I think that that conversation really started for us when Uma was born, because technically Uma is my niece, not my daughter. And I think as queer people, the way that we, nothing is black and white in the way we see things. So we're really comfortable with that ambiguity and don't even view it as ambiguity. It's just, no, she's my daughter because I'm defining it as she is my daughter. And I love her because I'm her papa, you know? So I think this just like adds another layer or spreads that out even further with the way we are defining like family and how Uma will relate to this child someday is totally up to her and how we will is our own story. So. And yeah, I mean, one thing that shifted for me was it's not so much that like being a sperm donor and literally having um, like, well, because she's technically will be, what would you call that? A, a half sibling? Yeah. yeah. And because Uma already has those because our egg donor is his sister and she has, 
three kids. And so we call them her super cousins. So it wasn't so much that that shifted, but it was when we went out to Seattle to do the first at home insemination and just seeing August and MB interact with our daughter. Like we learned so much about like how to be, I, we've learned so much in terms of how to be a couple because the way that they've learned to confront shadow work and the way that they've learned to be vulnerable with each other is just such an example of what it means to be in a good relationship. But then also as, like seeing them be kind of like pretend parents for a second, we, we went home and we're like, oh, that's what we should do when Uma behaves this way. And oh, that's, and so, and that's what it's all about, right? It's like removing ego, removing pride and relying on one with one another that you trust. And then in terms of like what the family unit looks like, I think everyone after this pandemic is having huge existential questions. I think so anyways, but then sometimes I meet other people and they're not, but you know, in general, I think there's this big cultural shift and, and, and that's what we're kind of inspired by that where we're like, what else in our lives are we not being intentional about, right? Like the educational system, right? And, and our jobs and the ways that we're, that we're living our life. Is that how we want to raise our daughter? And so we actually quit our jobs and we're going to be coming full-time travel family in six days here. And so that's kind of like oh our direction is, how can we all be intentional? And it's not just for queer people. I think people are looking at queer individuals because we're forced to think creatively, but everyone's craving this. Everyone's craving like a new paradigm shift. And so it's just, I feel like it's really fun, queer, weird, exciting time, even though it's been really hard and really ugly and really painful. No, I think you're really correct. I think that the pandemic, I've talked about this before, it created so many of us the opportunity. It forced us to sit in a, some really uncomfortable shit that we had to move through in order to grow. And I know I've evolved more since the beginning of the pandemic than I have my whole life. Like uh, it's, I have to reintroduce myself to people. And I think that there's so many of us that just needed time with ourselves. And so I love that you're doing that and quitting your jobs. That's so exciting. Congrats. That's a huge step. It's scary, but it's also a good scary. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I'm excited for you. I, I want to know, like, I think that, Going back, I know I'm focusing on the queer community, but I'm doing this for a reason. There's, there's a, there's a, this is, there's a reason for this one. Um, there's so much infighting in the queer community, and there is so much um, transphobia in the queer community, especially in the older gay male community, cis gay male community. There's a lot of transphobia and not wanting to learn. Um, to, to grow and, and learn to evolve with the times. Um, and the example that you're setting in the gay community among the cis gay men is so incredible and so important because it's causing such community within rather than us putting each other in boxes and trying to define genders and trying to divide, define sexuality and all of that. I just think there needs to be more of this. So if there are gay couples out there that are looking to start a family, looking to be a better ally in the community to their friends that may be trans or that may be questioning, like what do you think as a couple you did to really be present for MB in August? And maybe how do you, how do you recommend other people step outside of their comfort zone a little bit to be a bigger part of their community and also grow their family in an inclusive way? Well, it's just so easy to love MB in August. So I guess I haven't, I don't, like, I just, I really, I feel like I'm, I'm just like, so I truly am so inspired by them because they've had to overcome so many things that, that like most people don't have to even think about and consider. And, and through that, they've become, I just love watching them and observing them and, and the way that August has been so open and vulnerable with their story and, and how they share on, on their platform. Um, I don't know if I have advice. I just love them so much. I guess, yeah, I mean, August was the first person that has ever come out to me as trans that I've been able to um, share and witness their full journey. And I think that learning to show up and listen to their experience instead of like, you know, needing to project onto it or needing to relate to it, to just really show up with it and be curious and present with it would be my advice. And it's been such an honor to be part of their journey. And I'm so excited to watch them become a parent now. 
Oh, I love you guys so much. <laughs> I'm like obsessed with all your friendship in general, basically, <laughs> and jealous and all of these things. It's just adore. It's it's so important. I just I keep circling back in my head to how many people, how many podcasts, how many stories, how many news articles are we seeing that's capital that are capitalizing on pain, pain in the trans community, pain in the queer community attaching it to murders and deaths and things. And how many stories are we seeing that are just joy-based that don't, that don't circle back to somebody's trauma that don't say they're doing this because they couldn't do this. They're doing this because they got hurt when they did that. No, we just want to hear the joy. So that's where I want to close this out. I want to hear, you know, some queer or trans joy that you've had in the last week that is just purely yours that is joy, a moment. It can be a first baby smile. It can be a moment that you've shared on the subway. It doesn't matter, but I want to end this with some joy. So I would love uh, MB to start because karma. <laughs> um, yeah, I think something recently that brought me joy um, is um, I was connected to um a friend reached out and said, Hey, I have a friend whose child just, just came out as, as non-binary and, and they're having a really hard time with it. They're a parent. Um, could you send them some resources? Um, and, and that brought, that brought me a lot of joy. Um, you know, there's a lot of kids out there whose parents aren't accepting and whose parents don't understand. So to have a parent who is wanting to show up, who wants to learn, who wants to try and is open to resources, um, it brought me a lot of joy and a lot of hope for that kid. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think, I think that's all part of kind of our, our journey of wanting to really normalize, you know, that, that your, your, your trans or your non-binary or gender non-conforming kid can grow up and have this really beautiful and creative life. Um, you know, cause I think that's at the, at the heart of the fear for a lot of parents. So that, that brought me a lot of joy. I love that. What about you, August? Well, on Thursday, so four days ago or so, um, we got our very first sonogram of, of our baby and it, I was just watching the little heartbeat and I was just thinking of myself as a dad and I just got so I'm just, trying so hard not to cry, you guys. <laughs> eyes are just way open just so I don't cry. Wow. Just that feeling of, of, I don't have to be a mom to be a parent. I get to be a dad. I get to be a trans dad. And that I, I, get, to, I get to be a dad it, authentically in the way that I would be a dad. You know, I'm not just any, any old dad. I'm, I'm a trans dad. I'm, I'm me father, fathering, I guess. Um, so yeah, just that, that has felt, um, just this week has been really wild. Just thinking about that and um, just having that settle in. Well, yeah, speechless, just speechless. That's fine. What about you, Elliot? I guess for me, definitely um, during the pandemic, me and Matt, you know, we, like everyone live really busy lives. And during the lockdown, we both were, um, not working and we realized that we really enjoy being together and that we both thrive as parents and in relationship with each other when we're together and last night in the backyard we set up the tent that we just purchased that we'll be living out of and we were we were crying and we were dancing and I was just laying there being like this is it like this is what when the lockdown was happening what we visualized as our dream life and this is like a moment of us being together and this is what our life is going to look like going forward. So last night in the tent in the backyard, even though it was 90 degrees, it felt pretty magical, like my castle. Y'all are just gonna if I wasn't on week T of week two of tea, I probably could would be crying already, but already my tears. So I have to just say that now. Squish squish. I would be crying if I could <laughs> What about you, Matt? Well, no, I, every time someone told a story, I was like, that's my, that's my joy right now. But um, obviously the news that they're pregnant, I'm just so happy for them and that it worked out. Like I'm just relieved and, and happy for them. And I think the joy would be um, like, this is such a good moment right here because 
we, like you said, we're sharing our story and we're sharing it in a way that is supposed to be inspiring and exciting and fun and celebratory. And, and I, there was a time when that wasn't the case. Like we're a gay couple and we have a kid and not only are we accepted, but people like, like undeservingly love us so much. <laughs> and I just feel so grateful. It's like so cool to be like, people love us and, and, and that feels so good and it feels so nice to be supported. And, and so for us to have this space right here and for people to be excited for us, just, I just feel so grateful for the people that paved the way for us to be able to have, you know, happiness and have a family Celebration and, around our families yeah. and our relationships. Yeah. I just, that was a great note to end on. Thank you, Matt. I, I want to thank you all for your time and for being here and for being such a light in a space that everyone tries to bring a little bit of pain and trauma. I, I recently read, read a quote that, you know, we all have to heal from our trauma, but you don't always have to find your joy there just because you heal from something and you find joy afterwards. I think a lot of us get trained to finding our joy after healing from trauma only. And I think that this is a great example of the fact that you don't have to do that, especially in the queer and trans community. So thank you all for your time. I'm going to put your social media links in the description so we don't have to worry about doing that. And yeah, we just want to be kept updated, please, on all of the details, every single kick and be all of the <laughs> Definitely. Thank you all for being here. Thank you so much. Thank you, Anne. Thank you you so much. So we are back with MB in August, and we have an update. And I want to thank you too for being here. I think initially when we talked about this, I, I I told August I was like, we the episode has not aired. We are okay. We can just leave it. And August was so sweet. August was like, we are very proud of that episode. And so um, MB, you shared something online that I, I would love for you to share, but I would love for you to, to just um, give any feelings that you have and any updates and words that you wanna share, um, because I think this is part of the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, yeah, it is a part of our story. And, you know, miscarriage and pregnancy loss is, as we have found in sharing a part of so many people's stories and so many people's journeys. Um, you know, it's, it's was three weeks yesterday that it happened. Um, and so I'm so grateful that my body has healed um, without any complications um, and that, you know, we're able to talk about it and process it. Um but it's a really, really awful thing. It's a really awful thing to go through. Um, and it's something that people don't talk about. Um, because yeah, there, there's a lot of, of personal shame. There's a lot of societal shame. Um, and we really wanted to, you know, share our experience with it to help kind of break down some of that. Um, because, really in, in sharing with people and in hearing their stories, we have found a lot of healing. I have found a lot of healing in that kind of shared communal experience. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's been hard and disappointing. And the flip side of that is I feel like 15 years older (laughs) after having gone through it, you know, I, I feel like it was like a, like a major learning opportunity for me. One thing that I really walked away from this experience with is not that I didn't have this, of course, before, but, but a a much stronger, I think, respect for, for, for the bodies of people with uteruses and just what I just, how powerful and wise and amazing, you know, that kind of body is. Mm -hmm. And it just for heroes. Truthfully, yes. Yeah. I mean, I'm just in awe. I just watching you get get through this, and you know, ride the wave of all the hormones and the mm-hmm. physical. It's just so physical. I think you just that's something that we, we just don't really talk about is how I mean how physical it is, I have, how physical having a miscarriage is. I mean, Jesus, you know, it's like many labor. Yeah, yeah, and I'm you know I'm I'm 
wanting to share kind of what my experience was because it's something that I didn't know about because nobody (laughs) had talked about it. Problem. And that's a problem. Exactly. And so, you know, it was really scary. Um, And I know it's this, my experience is my experience and other people have had, you know, differing experiences. Um, But for us, so, um, you know, things kind of started to happen. I started to have some spotting. Um, I was about almost eight weeks, so almost two months. Um, And, and we were really scared and we reached out to a lot of people um, who we know who have had babies. And a lot of them are like, oh, bleeding's really normal. Like it can be really normal. I bled all throughout, you know, um, you know, and so it was like, okay, like, let's just watch this. And um, we're really thankful. Um, we had the care and support of um, midwives that we were working with um, who were really wonderful. And um, we went in that day with the spotting and um, had an ultrasound and the ultrasound, you know, like the midwife told us to, to guard our hearts, you know, she told us to guard our hearts and she said she was cautiously optimistic, but that, um, there were kind of two indicators that maybe things weren't, weren't going right. There was a heartbeat, but it was, it's slow, a little slow. Um, and the gestational sac was a little small. Um, so, so we left that appointment and I was, I mean, obviously I was devastated, um, that, you know, things just weren't quite right. Um, and I was really kind of trying to come to terms with like, this probably isn't going to work. And August came out of that. <laughs> I was just really trying to stay as optimistic as possible. I was grasping onto every single thing that they'd said, you know, of like, well, it's got the heartbeat. That's a good sign. You know, uh, I don't know. The size thing could just be about the length of your cycle. Maybe it's just that. Maybe we would just need to, you know, yeah, I was just really pushing. For being the ultimate supportive partner, yeah. Mm-hmm. I was trying. And it, but it it I could also tell that some deeper wisdom inside of you. You know, I I I felt like it when I was trying to be positive, I was fighting a losing battle because yeah. I I sensed something inside of you of like a, a deeper wisdom. This isn't going to work out. Yeah. And that was really hard because I I just wanted to will it into <sighs> into success. Right. And, and as much as, as supportive as I can be, it didn't, it didn't help. Yeah. So, you know, the bleeding continued and then, um, we even called the, called the midwives again the next day and they're like, well, you know, you got to just kind of see what happens. And then Saturday morning. So yeah, three weeks ago, Saturday morning, you just woke up and you're feeling yeah. I just, I just knew, I mean, the cat, we had like just woke up in the morning and like things just weren't quite feeling right. And the cat was next to me and then he jumped kind of on my stomach and it really hurt. And I was just like, things like, I was just like, this doesn't feel right. Like something's going on. Um, and I think just my body knew like, um, that it was going to, it was time. Um, yeah, you like leaned over to me, I think even still in bed and you're like, I think it's happening. I was like, I think it's happening now. Um, and, and then it did, and, you know, I, and, and through the, through the process, you know, learning to trust my body was, was huge. You know, it's like, I didn't want it to happen. Neither of us wanted to happen. We knew it was out of our control, but I knew my body knew it was like this deeper intelligence. It was like, my body knows exactly what needs to happen. So you know, yes, it, it started. And, and, you know, as we've talked about it, again, people have different experiences and some people are like, oh, it's just like a heavy period. It was not like a heavy period <laughs> uh, or I've never had any horrible period like this. <laughs> um, you know, so yeah, I basically, you go into, depending on how far, kind of far along you are, like you go into kind of labor, um, which I didn't know that that was a thing, but um again, like I, I had a sharp pain. Um, and I just heard my body. It was like, it was like that inner voice in my inner body just said, you need to go sit down and push. And so I did. And that's when it, you know, it came out Mm. and sorry, this is going to be graphic, but again, I want to share, um, you know, and there at this just kind of laying in the bottom of the, of the toilet was this, this beautiful little embryo, you know, and we could see it's hard and we could see, you know, it's like, 
Yeah. I mean, we could see it's like the little picture on your app, you know, that's just what it looked, you know, from where it was, that's what it looked like. And yeah, you could see the chambers of the heart. You, and could, like, you know, it was like clearly like a little, a little baby, you know, it, it clearly was. Yeah. And that was just so surreal because that's so the shocking. thing that we had just been just two days before we'd seen its heartbeat in the sonogram. And so I get a little ramekin and like a spoon and I like yeah. fish it out of the bottom of the toilet. Yeah. You were about to flush it. I, cause I was in shock. I was, you know, this thing had just come out of my body and I'm just like, yeah. what do we do? Like, I don't want to look at it, but I can't stop looking at it. And like, oh my God, like it's in the bot, it's in a toilet. Like, what are we going to do? And mm-hmm. I'm so, so thankful. My sister actually had suggested earlier that morning, like if you are able to save any of it, like um, you may want to bury it. Like most people don't think about that. Um, so yeah, August, very, wonderfully kind of scooped it out and and we did bury it later that day which was it felt yeah it felt really really good to do that and um yeah and then and then you know it was like okay well that's it's horrible and then you just keep bleeding and you keep you know it's just like it's just awful it's just horrible and and sharing it so many more people than not who we've talked to that have had children have had one or more miscarriages and nobody. And they're like, nobody talks about this. And I'm like, why? This is awful. Like, Oh my God, we need to talk about this. This was horrible and devastating. And, um, and it is so common. It's such a part of, as I'm learning, like part of the birthing process and part of kind of the reproductive process and, it just doesn't feel like there is much space in society for this. There's right? none. There's none. There's, There's none. A whisper corner on the side that nobody pays attention to. Yes. Yes. It's, yeah, the shame is just, I mean, there's this whole idea of, you know, don't tell anybody that you're pregnant until you're 12 weeks because what if you lose it? You don't want people to know the deep shame that you have. <laughs> you know, it's like, well, what about if we want support? And a community through both our joy and our potential grief, you yeah. know, I mean, ultimately that's, we, we knew that, you know, we knew. we knew, we knew that we were telling people early and I'm glad we did. I'm so glad because the outpouring of oh support, I mean, just, I'm just like, just women, you know, <laughs> it, it, cause it was yeah. primarily like women who, who it came was. around us in yeah. supporting community. And I'm just like, oh my God, just the strength there, yeah. the strength of people who have, who have birthed babies and who, you know, have ha- had gone through all kinds of complications to get there. And I mean, people were just pouring their, their hearts out to us. And it was yeah. really, it seemed like it was healing for a lot of people for us to share, to share our story. I mean, I, I certainly heard that sentence a bunch, you yeah. know, I mean, people were telling us it was helpful for you to be so honest about this. Right. I never told anybody. I never, you know, we heard that so much. Yeah. I never told anybody about my miscarriage. Oh, and that breaks my heart. It was so hard. We needed all the people around us to, to, who helped us. Yeah. Just doing it by ourselves. I mean, you know, you hear stories about miscarriages, you know, ruining relationships and stuff. And I'm like, I get it. Yeah. If you don't have people around you to, to support you through it. And I mean, I get it. It's a yeah. very traumatic yeah. thing. So, Yeah. Well, MB, I would love, I'm so grateful, first of all, that you have the strength, both of you, to share this and the want to share this because it's nobody's business but your own. And I think that being able to take your story and take your trauma and turn it into fuel to help other people is kind of the name of my 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 game. Like, I love being able, it's a, it's a superpower to be able to take that fuel and go, okay, this is shitty. This was so hurtful, but this is going to help other people. And it's going to help strengthen myself. Absolutely. And I would love for you to read what you wrote in closing to this, because I, um, it was very inspiring to me and I think it will be inspiring to lots of people. Sure. Of course. And then we'll just end that, end it after this. So I just want to thank you both for your hearts and for being open and, I am excited to see the next part of your journey because I know it's not over. Yeah. I mean, yeah, just before we do end, I mean, we're, we're healing, you know, because of the support that we've had, we're, we're healing from this. And we are, we have gotten to a point where we're, we are largely 
forward looking. Yeah. You know, we are excited about our next chance to, to try for this. And this, this baby will happen and yeah. we, we will be parents and, and we know that and, yeah. and we'll get there. Yeah. But yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And thank you for allowing us the, the platform and the space yeah. to talk about this. Um, Cause it's really, again, it, it's helpful, not, not just for us, but hopefully for others as well. It, it is. It is. Um, okay. So a big heartfelt thank you to everyone who showed up for August and me the past few days as we dealt with the loss of our pregnancy. We're overwhelmed with gratitude at the support and love our community has shown us to those who sent messages, sent flowers, dropped off cookies or whole grocery bags of food. We are endlessly grateful. As I try to make sense of something so painful and awful that is also normal, I'm left with some curious insights. When we shared the news publicly of our pregnancy, we knew we were taking a risk. Society typically dictates people wait a few months. That way, if something bad happens, you don't have to tell everyone. But honestly, I'm so glad we told everyone. It allowed for a beautiful opportunity where we were surrounded by the loving kindness of our community and for others to share and heal from their own stories of loss. Knowing now just how common miscarriage is, why are we as a society not talking about it? Why didn't I know I would essentially go into labor, hear my body say push, and then have to look at this sweet little life my body was creating? I think we don't talk about it because it's really painful. And society is ashamed of things that happen to women's or people with uteruses' bodies, especially the grosser, more intense things and experiences that show just how strong they are. Because honestly, I'm so proud of my body after all it went through. It knew exactly what to do when things weren't going right, and it has survived and learned from that horrible experience. To all of those who have labored and lost, I love you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode and all of the episodes. I would love it if you joined our quickly growing online community. We're on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at two underscores house of M where there's an amazing collective of people all connected at our joys and our pains in the hopes that no one in our circles ever feel alone again. If you have a suggestion for an upcoming episode or a guest you would like to hear, please let me know on the contact page of my website at www.maryangelaabeo.com. And until next time, take care of yourselves and those around you. And by that, I mean, when in doubt, wear a mask, wash your hands, use your throat chakra to fight for the rights of marginalized people everywhere, especially black, brown, and indigenous transgender people. Abolish the police, pay your fucking reparations, and do your part to fight the layers of white supremacist culture every minute you can. I will see you next time.